Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put in a conservatorship in 2008 and continued to dominate the mortgage market. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Brody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? It's time for Mortgage Matters. All righty, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Got Dan Podesto in here. Woohoo! Yeah. That wasn't a woohoo button. That was a live woohoo. That was a live woohoo. <laughs> Mouth is a little swollen today, so if he's talking funny, yeah. be gracious. I tried a new move at softball this week, and that was stopping the ball with my face. <laughs> and it it stopped. <laughs> oh, you redirected it. I mostly. redirected it. I did redirect. redirected it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sh- uh, shortstop. Uh, tricky little spot. Ball can be coming in pretty hot. Take unpredictable bounces. Yeah. And so he tried to kiss it as it was going by. And, <laughs> well, and luckily, I still have a mouthful of teeth. Yes. That's the good. If there's any good news to taking a. You know, what is a hundred mile an hour ball off the face? It's that it left all the teeth. I have all my teeth. And now I have the perfect pose for a selfie. Oh, kind of. Just the duck face. That was a lumpy duck face, though. <laughs> I prefer my duck faces. <laughs> a little more symmetrical. Smoother, yeah, <laughs> symmetrical and smoother. But hey. You do yeah. you, kid. You do you. <laughs> so how was your week? <laughs> <laughs> um, my week was fine. Trying to remember now. I don't. Uh, I don't think. No major injuries to report or no anything. No, man. I guess my <laughs> week was a bit of a snoozer. Um, Monday was a holiday. It was. It was Columbus Day. Indigenous Peoples Day. Okay. Yeah, it's either or. You pick which lane you're in. And um, I just went with what was printed on the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. What else? Oh, this, did you see the stock market this week? Yeah, I that's did. what I did this week was watch the stock market and go, huh? Yeah, it's kind of like that. That was. It reminded me of uh, you remember Dan back. It was near the start of the show when the <laughs> stock market was crazy volatile and had days in the red. Uh, it wasn't uncommon to see multi hundred point swings. And I laughed a little bit because, so what was it? Was it Tuesday was the big? I, th- I That's what I was just wondering. Free folly day. There was so one day. It started where... on Friday, right? Yeah. started on Friday. Um, probably in relation to the jobs report, many of other things that are just sort of coming to a head. I think at the end of the day, though, really, the best, the best guess at summing it all up is that... Uh, Market's been going up for 10 years, right? I mean, isn't that the gist? Yeah, pretty much. It's pretty over, it's overbought. It's pretty valuable. And whether you believe there's another 15 or 20% up before some correction or that it's correcting now or you think a dramatic correction is coming, everybody has to agree it's been a really long run. And so I kind of feel like 
a little bit of that. Was is this it? But then I laughed because just like yesteryear, um, what a short memory from day to day. <laughs> down three hundred points today for all of the reasons that you'll be down three hundred points, and then up three hundred points tomorrow because it's a new day. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what changed from Thursday to Friday? <laughs> I, just you know, never... I slept on it and thought I got it wrong yesterday. <laughs> this is why I have to just throw in the towel as a day trader, man. I'm yeah, no good at it. Clearly, no good at it. Um, well, I was also reminded of the 2008 vintage of Mortgage Matters when we were early in the show. Some of those volatile days, like you were saying. And I I saw an article this week that that Tuesday sell-off, which I think think it ended up being about an 830-point sell-off in the Dow, um, that was the third largest single-day sell-off in Dow history. And I think... One of them, I know, was a thousand point down day right at the peak of the that recession. And I'm not sure if the second largest one was either. I'll be honest, I didn't click the graph and look at it in detail. Yeah, the two that really stand out in my mind, and I don't know if these were the historical ones they point to. Well, one of them was like a an after hour session. But the two that really stand out in my mind, one was I remember watching the floor vote on Lehman Brothers. Oh, right. On the, um, you know, essentially, would the U.S. taxpayers allow Lehman Brothers to go belly up? You remember the vote? There mm-hmm. was, it's the classic, like, you know, Congress in screen. There's yays and nays on the right, and you see how many people are voting and where it's going. And then I just remember them just, hey, we should probably add the ticker right here. When, when it was like a no, they they just add the ticker in right there next to the vote tally, and you're just seeing a free fall in the Dow. I remember that day. It was a big day. By the way, I think that was the, the 10-year anniversary of that was recently. I saw some headlines about Lehman Brothers. and um, So I'm actually... So wrong. Wow. Did you realize this? The biggest, the two biggest single day declines in the Dow were actually earlier this year. Earlier this year? Yeah. Both early February of 2018. I don't, why am I not remembering that? I remember one of them. So there was a almost 1200 point down day on February 5th. And just over a thousand point down day on February 8th. And then the third largest single down day in Dow history was on the 10th, which I guess was Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Wednesday was the big down day. Um, And then below that, there's several 2008 dates. Yeah. Gosh, we also had a big down day on March 22nd, another one on February 2nd, both of this year. So this year actually has seen some pretty uh, some pretty brutal days in the Dow. I've heard and read some weird speculative things too that there's some like auto selling, like kind of auto trading that happens when things in the market like start to go below. So you could, and I, I'm totally making this up, but this is basically the rumors that I've heard is that there's some software where if if things hit certain metrics on the down, right? 
Like if this goes down, if the Dow goes down 600 points, I want to sell my position there. Right. And so there's some automatic kind of fire selling that gets going so that now and, – and one of the things I was reading was essentially saying some of these things are going to be more and more common as those position, especially in the heightened market now where everybody's like, I, I don't really need to sell. But if it looks like trouble ahead, I'd be happy to realize some profits. Mm-hmm. And so – with that comes this, but but you see how it leads into like a self fulfilling prophecy, right? If the market's down and a bunch of people are selling because of whatever news story or earnings report or jobs report or something, and then the automatic selling kicks in and starts kind of fueling the fire, you could see those things move. So I've heard that just due to software, we should expect more single day wild volatility than we're used to seeing. You know, I picture the stockbrokers from like 40 years ago where they would, you know, call the floor. And if you really needed to sell on one of those panic days, you'd call your broker and I'd say, oh, Dan, I need you to sell, you know, sell all my, I was going to say tech, but it would probably wouldn't have been tech. <laughs> yeah. Sell all my lucky strike stocks, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> and then you would, and you would go, now, Jason. Calm down. <laughs> you know, that'd be your that'd be your big place as a as my broker would be more like talking me off the ledge when I'm ready to fire sell all my stuff on the Tuesday where the market's going haywire. But um you know, there there is no doubt though with this volatility this week. We're we know what the feds are thinking and saying. They're out talking a lot. Um, we're also hearing some of the, you know, I don't want to say doomsdayers, but we got people talking about our economy um, possibly being at a peak. Um, what was going on this week, though, and a big fueler to it was the 10-year bond yield really started to make a move. I mean, on well, on Friday, we had some intraday trading that was over 33 um, and I think we even had a, one closeout at 3.32. I was going to say, it really started la- middle of last week where we saw that Wednesday last week, the big quarter point change throughout the day. And then it, it seemed to ease off a little at the beginning of the week. And then it picked right back up to end the week. So, yeah, we ended up the 10 year, you know, just to put that all in context, the 10 year finished yesterday's session at 3.14. Okay. So gave back a little. Um, and for those of you that are tuning in for the first time here, we talk about the 10-year bond yield a lot because it's a, it's one of the more predictable um, and and trusted relationships to the 30-year fixed. So we're, we're trying to keep a finger on our rates going up or down. What's their next move for tomorrow? Uh, we usually like to look at the 10-year and see what happens there. Um and usually you can you can find that 30-year fixed sitting about one and three quarters points higher than the 10-year note yield. So nationally this week, we there was, you know, word moving around that nationally mortgage the 30-year fixed mortgage rate had eclipsed 5%. It was oh, yeah. officially over 5% this week. And so there was, you know, highest interest rates and you know, X number of years. It's funny. You know, I do that. I do that office meeting for Patterson Realty every Tuesday, which is fun because it causes me to put together notes for the beginning of the week. Right. 
and then usually my Friday is um, sort of going back through my notes of, okay, well, edit out a little bit of what I talked about on the radio last week, um, anything relevant from Tuesday, but it gives me an opportunity to kind of look and see how things are moving. And one of the other things about it that I always find is interesting is that every single Tuesday I price the exact same scenario for about 10 years. And I go in and I tell this group of realtors what is happening with the rate. And they they have a uh, an internal email where they record it and then send it to everybody too, right? So point being, about three weeks ago, um, maybe four weeks ago now, there's a little bit of a surge. And I felt like, so I run the pricing engine on the same scenario I always run. And there's about 35 banks in this thing that give us their pricing. And so I look at what's the lion's share of them, kind of just trying to do a dirty average of just looking at the screen. And it's like, oh, at the top of the screen, so about a month ago, at the very top of the screen, um, it's mostly four and three quarters, right? Look, get down to the bottom. There's some four and seven eights. Okay. So I tell them, yeah, it's four and three quarters. That's like what the majority of the banks are. Get over to the next week. And it's four and seven eights, right? Mostly, very mostly. Um, and then um, as it felt like it's going to five, like I'm like, hey, look at this. Next Tuesday, I know I'm going to be telling you it's five. This is basically what I'm telling them. We're just seeing it just move there, just slow and steady, just march right there. And so we come back next week. Um, the majority of the screen is 4.95 and 4.99. It's not um, It's not wanting to go. Like, it's <laughs> right. resisting. And I go, oh, man, it's crazy. So this Tuesday I go, right? And I, I run the same scenario. You know what the majority of the rates were on Tuesday morning? Five and a quarter. Oh, like, wow. we, we sat there <laughs> pushing against the edge of this 5%. Like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. How about 495? How about 499? Which, by the way, guys, many companies don't want to do 495 and 499. They like to jump in eight point, eighth point increments. So yeah. it's just kind of funny. It's like, oh, well, huh, we blew past five and we're at five and a quarter. Um, and I know that on Tuesday now when I go back in two days, that was sort of the pinnacle of the bloodbath. I'll be going back saying, hey, everybody, you know, we got some four and seven eights and some five again. So it's just kind of a little bit volatile and, and all over the place. Um, yeah. The uh, official Freddie Mac re- weekly reporting was 5.04% for this week, which is the first time the 30-year fixed Freddie Mac average has reached 5%. Since 2011. Yeah. That was you it. knew it was coming. Yeah. And folks, for everybody that's sitting there going, dang, because I quoted a loan this week and I told the guy, hey, that's, you get in a 5%. And he was like, whoa, five? Is it gone up that much? I'm like, it was actually a little bit more a week ago, so we're doing okay right now. Um, And yes, it's been going up kind of steady for a minute here. And the feds have told us it's their interest in uh, to raise the interest rate a quarter of a point, maybe six or eight more times here. So strap in. If you think five is high, I do believe we're going to see 6%. Um, 
you know, barring a major shift in economic condition, that's the thing the feds keep telling us too. If anything starts to change, if our employment market changes or inflation changes, consumer confidence and spending changes, if those things start to change, they could dial it back. But as long as this is what's happening, job growth, home price appreciation, wage growth, uh, consumer spending stable and increasing, uh, we're on an upward shift here. So um, obviously there's more to talk about that goes into that. Um, We do have the jobs report to talk about too. So we spend a little bit of time on that when we get back. But right now we're going to take a quick break, take some time to thank the sponsors. And we'll be back in a few minutes with more Mortgage Matters. With host Dan and Jason, we'll be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. If you're like most investors, the constant ups and downs of the stock market have you on edge. How do you make sure you keep your gains without jumping ship too soon? At Century Financial Consultants, they have an investment strategy where your money is completely protected against market losses. You go up with the stock market, your gains locked in, and when the market goes down, you don't lose anything. Literally, you go up, never down, forwards, never backwards. Sounds too good to be true? See for yourself for free. Call Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 805-324-7914. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. There's a common myth that home buyers need to save a 20% down payment to buy a home. The fact is, we offer numerous zero-down and low-down payment loan programs. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRE number 018-396-08. California DBO number 605-4783. NMLS number 328358. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. All right, guys, welcome back. Welcome back. No music right there? (laughs) I wasn't sure... Because you guys have like built-in bumpers, we got bumpers, we got music. We're just—it's like the party that just doesn't stop for two hours. And Craig, I hope you don't feel on the spot, man. Um, This is is just that kind of show, dude. We we do. I got I got tons of music. Yeah, usually what happens is um, Jim's kicking back over there, looking really, really bored. 
And then well, that's just how Dan will say something about Saturday night. And then Jim and proves then, to us he was listening here by we go. playing music. All right, there's you got some music there for you. Go. Thank you. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So like, if somebody says the word Saturday, Jim will dig out a track built around Saturday to sort of prove that he was paying attention okay. and that his music beds are more relevant than any other um, person running the board. So Yeah, he does do uh, thematic beds. Yes. Yeah. I've noticed that, yeah. So that's the challenge for you. <laughs> well, you guys mentioned uh, Bossa Nova's oh, 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 earlier. Oh, oh. So that's oh. why. There, you mentioned the Bossa Nova's. And, and, since it's Halloween, he would probably do some whole show with like, and this guy was this amazing Halloween singer from the 50s that sang this song everybody knows and you never knew who sang it. So that kind Give of Give us some instrumental from a Vincent Price movie. Whoa. I know. I'm pulling out a dad reference. Reaching. I guess it's a grandpa reference. Yeah. Reaching on the microphone. Ten yards. Um, hey, so related to the big stock drops. Yeah. It was just, I guess I more for your opinion or thoughts on the matter, just kind of an unorthodox move, which I guess is kind of the, the status quo of the, the Trump administration. Kind of unusual this week after that big 800 point drop day, then it was followed by the four or 500 point down day. Um, and our president is kind of lashing out at the Fed through the the media a little that the fed has gone crazy with their rate hikes um he's been known to oppose the fed before not a fan of a high interest rate environment right not ex- not unusual for someone who ha- has a lot of debt in their life right they probably appreciate those low interest rates well, and not only that, too, but I was going to say, um, look, we were talking about this the other day. I was talking about this with some friends about real estate. And if you're a, if you're an Airbnb f- um, operator, owner-operator, listen up. Um, there's headwind coming for you. And um, here's the deal. And this, I think, is this is related to the Trump thing. I think this just sort of brings it into the the layman terms that we all need to hear. Um, so I was out in Las Vegas last week. Did a you know kind of one of the the Vegas bachelor parties with a group of guys. My brother's getting married. By the way, it was very mild. Those <laughs> things that you're thinking that everybody does at a Vegas bachelor party actually didn't even come close to happening at our party. We just we went to like a show and we had some good meals and we walked 27 miles in three days. So, but that being said, we're out there in Vegas and um, some of these guys were talking about, and by the way, some of these guys are very young, right? They're in their early mid twenties. But so we're, we're sitting around talking about it, talking about how expensive Vegas has gotten. And I said, 
I'm getting old enough now with these silver hairs all over my head that I've now been through a little bit more. And I'm not claiming that I have all this great world experience, but when you go through a couple different economies and you see how things move and change, you start to get a a grasp on how, you know, when things are expensive and when things are cheap. And so the point that I'm bringing up here, and I think how this relates to Trump and then also our broader economy, is right now, things have been good for a long time. People are traveling. Hotels are full. Prices are up. Promotions are kind of down, right? They don't have to have a bunch of promotions. You have holiday money. People are traveling um, from other countries again and still. Um, We have... This And I think this is a great example of it is technology met one of the first boom cycles here where um, on your little computer that's wildly powerful, you can use your house as an Airbnb, right? So this is the time where like the hotel stocks are through the roof. Okay, and this is, I'm going to argue, one of the first economic cycles where the technology has been there in terms of, um, and I'm going to specifically talk about real estate, but um, you got all these guys that say, well, I own this rental property, right? And I can rent it out to uh, you know, whoever, some roommates, some college kids, a family. I can rent it for $2,000 a month. But if I put it on Airbnb, I can get 300 bucks a night. And now if I only get uh, 15 days worth of occupancy this month, I've nearly doubled the money I could have made had I just rented it to a long-term tenant. So anyways, I'm talking with all these young kids about this is like, hey, when there's a recession, um, when things aren't going great and people don't have that disposable income to be out spending, to be out going on vacation and renting Airbnbs and doing all of those disposable income things you do. Um, and by the way, these young guys, um, you know, they were... They were like 15, 16, 17 when the recession was going on. So they weren't a part of the workforce. Now they're pretty well established. One of the dudes is like an engineer at a fire department. Okay. So that's great. Get, you know, get out of high school, do all thing. 10 years later, you're doing good. You're making money. You lack a little bit of that vantage point of what it looks like to work through one of those soft spots in the economy. And so... That's the thing I think is one of these really interesting things is that now some of the real estate values are getting pushed by that daily occupancy. Mm -hmm. Um, You got people. It's a really popular thing now. Everybody that has a rental property has at least thought about what should I do vacation? The Airbnb thing seems pretty lucrative. Um, When the economy changes, guess who's going to Airbnbs? Very few Less people. people. Um, it's going to go more back to the basics, right? Or you're going to have to really drop your prices where now you're dealing with ins and outs every day and cleaning fees every day and the abuse every day of people on your furniture, right? It's a, for, this is a furnished house. It's not like you provided a house where people moved in and then hopefully took good care of it for a year or ideally five. So there's a lot more that goes on to it that if dollars are equal, 
you really wouldn't choose that daily right. occupancy type of rent. Um, and that's going to happen, by the way. Mark my words. And likely we'll be on the show talking about it then where you're going to see um, one of the challenges I do think when we do face finally a real estate market correction is going to be all those Airbnb people are going to either need to be um, switching over to long-term tenants at the same time, which is going to cause a, a weird thing in the market, especially in some places where there's a lot of it, right? Um, and or you, you might even have people just selling of just like, hey, look, this was a rental for me and I had equity. I have a 30-year fix because we just went through this whole cycle. Um, I did Airbnb and it was good and lucrative. And now the market's kind of wonky and Airbnb is not my path and maybe I should just sell. So I think we're going to see a little bit of a shakeup of that. And if you're rolling your eyes at me right now, which I suspect some people are, right? It's probably a 50-50 mix. Um, let's talk about local governments and how they're intervening and dealing in Airbnb and the permit side of it and um, the impact that that's already having in certain markets. And, you know, we're, it's not a super big deal here, but I know it's coming. Um, well, that's kind of the wild card in the whole Airbnb thing. You know, it's if, one of them. If you have that vacation rental license or whatever kind of approval you need to be able to do that. Um, you know, will you be grandfathered in if there's changes? Will you be subject to some kind of change that will prevent you from being able to do that? It's That's kind of the wild card out there. And I, I think it's a good reminder that kind of reminds me of the, the previous real estate cycle where some people were buying without a worst case... Um, yeah, it's you what, know, scenario in mind. It's like I call it, you had no ditch plan. Right. So here, if if you're only buying a rental property because of the prospects of getting six, eight, ten thousand $10,000 a month of rental income on the, the short-term vacation rental side, but a long-term rental generates more like $2,000 a month, you need to plan on the $2,000 a month option you know because at some point that's going to be necessary yeah like, like what you're describing totally but don't um, bank on the big payday last but there forever. are markets around and i you know i think we can run down the list and figure out where they are some of the more iconic ones are going to be like tahoe right sure where don't suggest to me that the airbnb market hasn't pushed real estate values it has to. When I mean, you're looking at that cash flow and you're like, hey, with only 50% vacancy and average nightly rate, your cash flow on this place could be positive four grand a month. Folks are going to pay more to buy that, and they are, and they have been. So, like you said, have a plan, have a ditch plan. Um, better yet, um, in addition to your plan, save some of that money, you guys. Right. You're going to have vacancies. People are going to stop traveling. So long-winded diatribe, right? I know I'm famous for those on the show. Um, you asked about Trump and his sort of tongue lashing of the Fed. He's vocally opposing the Fed now. Um, I think it's in part that. Dude's a hotelier. He's a developer. Um what else is he? He owns golf courses. He owns a lot of those leisure things that um, are going to thrive. And I'm not suggesting that he's worried about his own pocketbook. But what I'm saying, like, um, 
That's how he's wired up. He knows that for him in business, how's business best? How does um, the economy work the best? What are those highlight real years in looking back? They're the ones with the low rates. They're the ones with the economic growth. They're the ones where things are kind of heating up and um, and really getting some downhill momentum. Those are the times I think that he's wired up to be loving because he's got a you know a sixty year um, career of development, hospitality, you know, and and I know that not all of the income producing things that he is has done are all attached to that hospitality side, but I think a lot of it is. And you know, and I'm not I'm not saying that's good or bad. Um but like I'll tell you, like in my house, um I know growing up my dad was a self-employed contractor, right? He had um, he had an opinion that we heard from a very young age about you know when certain political forces were at play and the economy was hot and the you know the regulations were being dropped and the taxes were being cut and the you know people were investing and doing and remodeling and building. That's when those were his good years, right? And so consequently. For him, he said, you know, oh, well, when the other side comes in and taxes go up and uh, interest rates go up and, you know, the, those were just tied. And, and again, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but if that's your perception, it's tied to what you do for a living. It's tied to then how you view things. And I could see how um, – and maybe I'm just making excuses for Trump. I don't think the president should be out um, publicly backlashing the Fed. I think that's what was a little surprising. That's, I mean, they're supposed to be this independent body that is left to guide the U.S. economy. Right. And all I've been, all I've been hearing for the past several months is how our economy is white hot. It's, you know, it's robust. It's growing. It's all these positive terms. And from him, you mean? Fr- not just from him. I mean, I, I think a lot of it's directed from the administration in general. Sure. You know, and, and maybe some of it's just kind of that pat on the back. Look at what we did. It's, you know, things are great. Maybe exaggerating the greatness a little bit. But some of it's from non-administration folks, oh, too. Oh, Dan, describing you just, it as you just don't like winning. No, no, no. It's not about that. <laughs> I think what's What's surprising is, one, just commenting on what's historically been an independent body. It's unorthodox, but again, unorthodox is kind of the nature of this presidency here. Sure. Um, I think the other thing is that these rate hikes are far from unexpected. You know, we've known it's it was it was known before it even was announced that there was going to be a quarter point rate hike in September. We, we I mean it's all but known that there's going to be another one in December and there's probably going to be a couple more if not three more next year. So, it's not like this was unexpected. So, it seemed kind of knee jerk. And isn't it the Fed's job to kind of not let the economy grow too fast, but also not let it wow. stagnate. So if if you have all these descriptors like white hot and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, isn't it right to um, raise rates? And it was just an incremental rate, rate hike. It wasn't like drastic. It wasn't. Yeah. We've seen half point, three quarter point hikes before in a single announcement. It's not like I, it's just it just seemed odd. Um, 
Rates you're, are still below you're historical right. norms. You're right. Yes. <laughs> Is anyone getting a significant savings rate return on their savings accounts? No, you're right. not even to normal rates yet. You're right, and I'll just say this, and then we can move on, is um, I think, I mean, first of all, if you're going to try to raise rates to stop uh, in-your-face runaway inflation, you're too late. That's a problem. And I think that's at least part of what our Fed is doing right now, is attempting to sort of you know, it's a teeter-totter. We can't just go jump on the right side. We got to, like, make sure you're attempting to tur- sort of balance this thing. And we're seeing inflation finally get to where it was supposed to be. Um, and it feels overdue, right? We've long been thinking, gosh, we've pumped so much money into this economy to help yeah. weather that recession. So just be right ready. around the corner. I'm worried that the scenario you described with the 5% interest rate is kind of what inflation's gonna do you know we're like gosh it's it's just not getting over that three percent hump and then the next thing you know it's gonna be at four percent five like a coiled spring <laughs> yeah. well and i think i really i think that's what people are worried about that's and, what the fed obviously right. is kind of thinking and so if nothing else because because the fed is supposed to be um not a political not a politically influenced or serving body right right it's made up of a diverse group of bankers from across the nation, representative of different um, economic sections of the country. It tries to be a cross swath of a lot of great people that are just helping provide some guidance. Um, hey, what does the president think and does it matter? Um, now you know. Right. Now you can figure out if it matters. Maybe now as he's just cracking in there, you guys are going nuts. There's market turbulence and you just steady the rate hikes. And so they can go, well, we know how he feels. Do you think it has influence over this Fed? Sure. You think so? I think there's always influence because it's a it's a perception thing, right? Most of life is a perception thing. So if you got somebody like the president or what appears to be a unified front in the administration coming out, say you're getting it wrong, nobody's going to pipe up. There isn't going to be a conversation or a slight shift in sentiment. I'm not going to say it's going to affect major policy change, but you got to, I mean, this dude's the leader of the free world. And if he's out calling you gone crazy, mm, there could be some effect. I'm not suggesting that's good. Uh, we need to do the final commercial break here of the hour. And then, uh, heck, we'll we'll figure out during the break what we're going to talk about <laughs> when we get back. So uh, stick around for more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. 
If you're like most investors, the constant ups and downs of the stock market have you on edge. How do you make sure you keep your gains without jumping ship too soon? At Century Financial Consultants, they have an investment strategy where your money is completely protected against market losses. You go up with the stock market, your gains locked in, and when the market goes down, you don't lose anything. Literally, you go up, never down, forwards, never backwards. Sounds too good to be true? See for yourself for free. Call Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 805-324-7914. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. There's nothing like the euphoric feeling you get when you find the perfect home. The last thing you want is the embarrassment of discovering you don't qualify. It can actually cost you your deposit. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018-396-08. DBO number 6054783. MLS number 328358. We're the mortgage experts. On the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people. Agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. All right, is this bumper music better? Oh, yeah. Because you guys were talking about how the economy's hot, hot, hot. <laughs> right. You are yeah. listening. <laughs> well, when you guys said that, I woke me up. There you go. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. You sure it's not that energy drink you're sucking down yeah. over there? I'm feeling better now because I'm finally getting to the bottom of the first cup of coffee on the day. I had trouble sleeping last night. So then I, you know, I woke up kind of groggy and honestly felt like I was like a little bit of a bad mood. Oh. Well, I fell asleep with a headache last night and I woke up. And it's still there? It's way less. Like it went from like a headache to like a, here's the little sensitive spots that remain just reminding me that I went to sleep with a headache. So anyways, maybe the coffee will chase it the rest of the way away and then i can just enjoy my saturday any big plans for the day i'm gonna race and try to catch a soccer game after this show and there you go no that's it just sweet gonna do the regular old domestic thing nice i uh i got roped into going um some version of zombie paintballing tonight out at the paintball out by Cuesta? Yeah. What's zombie paintballing? Do you have to dress up? No, I don't dress up. I just shoot zombies. Oh, you're shooting zombies. Yeah, so as I loosely understand this, again, I was like invited to a group thing with the family. Um, we're not shooting at each other. We're shooting at zombies. The zombies are provided. 
So they give you all the gear and the zombies dress up in like glow in the dark paint and other zombie attire. Okay. And then they run around and you just shoot the zombies. Cool. So we'll see. Have you ever been out to that paintball park? Yeah, I have. We've done a couple of like pizza parties out there for the the young boys that want to go paintballing. Yeah. Cool. Um, It's fun. Yeah, it it always looks neat. I've always wanted to go out there, but never have. Yeah, the the best thing to do is to do it in a group of people um, where you you know everybody in your group and can kind of control your experience a little bit. I've done it where you get mixed in with a bunch of people because there's some people out there that are like, Paintball, paintball for life yeah and it's like <laughs> they got their own gear <laughs> yeah yeah and they walk through the paintball yard like they're like you know some kind of special dude and you're like mm, hey grown guy this is a little weird how into paintballing you are and they do like the perfect somersault behind the barricade yes. and pop up dude and- <laughs> they know how to like some of those guys they like know how to strafe corners and stuff where they've you got my six dog and it's like i watch those guys and i'm like hey man i'm glad you're out of your mom's basement today but this is weird it's like the paintball how- version of uh, navy seals yeah uh-huh. they think they're navy seals they're coming out behind you with a paintball knife and cutting you so yeah. they can be silent yeah yeah and I'm like, hey, look, I brought an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old, G.I. <laughs> Joe. Like, can we just go over here in the corner and and shoot at the like old wire spools while you, <laughs> you go fulfill dreams with some other people? We're going to create the, a novice area over here. Well, and they've got like their guns are awesome, right? The one that we would rent from like the paintball place. Um, I had some paintball experience when I was younger with like good equipment and the balls really matter and how old they are and if they're stored correctly is there, they'll get like a heavy spot in them. So when you shoot them, they curl to the side or whatever, right? You don't want that unless you know how to play the curve shot. Um, anyhow, the, the provided items out there were like usually, um, you know, not as good. So you're like, I don't even, I don't have a chance against you. Now I'm, you do one of those things where the dude's like on top of the bus. And so you like aim at him and you shoot and you miss him by 20 feet to the right. So then you aim 20 feet to the left of him and shoot again. And, and now you missed him because that one curled left and you're like, oh boy. <laughs> so anyways, super fun with, with, um, you know, a group of people where you go have fun. So this should be interesting. I guess we get in the bus and then the zombies will attack the bus and you shoot out the bus uh-huh, cool whatever it's halloween man yeah it's like well you know getting in the festive mood it's either that or carve pumpkins all over the floor again into the house <laughs> <laughs> my wife thinks i'm a holiday downer because of <laughs> my position on things like no that. you sound very positive about all the different activities yeah <laughs> I try. <laughs> hey, you know that carving pumpkins is like a messy, gross thing. Yeah. Makes a mess. Of course. You probably go make your kids carve them in the garage. Don't lie. Um, I end up doing the carving. I don't know that my so kids you like, are quite of the okay. age to be trusted with the knife. Copy that. Um Usually what happens is some variation of like my wife's like, it'll be fine. We'll get butcher paper. Right. And we'll put it on the table completely. That way we can just fold it up and throw it away at the end of the thing. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. That's going to work. Uh-huh. And then I like at the, okay, so you folded up the butcher paper. 
why is there pumpkin guts on the ceiling in here? <laughs> like, what what happened then? Um, so I just the I don't love the pumpkin thing to be honest with you. Yeah. So I'm up for zombie paintballing. Well, that'll be. I know I'm gonna get roped into both. So now you're gonna give your kids PTSD <laughs> versus pumpkin guts on the ceiling. Maybe we'll see. I think you should use that that pumpkin guts on the ceiling um, as motivation for tonight. Yep. You know, Take when you corner one of your kids. Just remind them of last year. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> we don't shoot each other. Oh, right, right. You, well, you only you get know. to shoot at the zombies. <laughs> no one needs to know. <laughs> <laughs> you remember uh, the pumpkin that's guts, mean. don't you? That's mean. <laughs> There's a sniper on the bus. <laughs> They'd blame me straight away. I guarantee it. Too funny. Yeah, um, one of the uh, so in in this discussion about the rates, um, it wasn't super surprising this week where you had a Dow correction, right? So there's that. Can you agree that the Dow is very high? Um, yeah, yeah it's and had it, been setting records for months, right? It seems like um, you know, obviously there was the initial run up right after the 2016 election big change like it seemed like within a a month we had about a 5000 point pickup in in the stock market and then it edged its way a little higher and then it found a comfortable spot right around 25000 and then it seemed like somewhere around 6 months ago it started to move again move higher and it found some comfort north of 26,000. Maybe six months ago was too far. Maybe it was more like three months ago. Um, but it's it found some comfort there in the twenty six to 27,000 range here, talking about the Dow. And then now we've we've entered the correction zone where that's between 5 and 10% <clears throat> downward move. And what, just in those two days, uh, Wednesday and Thursday, that alone was more than a 5% downward move. So we're we're officially in a correction area. So will it continue down further? You know, is it is it anything to be worried about? Is it just normal normal correction stuff? You know, just taking taking profits. You know, what do you have a feeling on that? Um, you know, for me, and this is if you're if you're uh, if you have a laptop in your living room and you're um, able to, if you just go. Go and Google the Dow. And one of the things that Google pops up for you in the very beginning, like the first link is a chart that shows the Dow. And you can look at it for the last day, the last five day, the last month, or the last six months. And um, if you take, like I'm looking at a screen of the last six months, and if I lay the line... Um, and I'll do this with you since it's not great for radio, but you could sort of see my point. If you lay the line from the beginning to current, it's it almost intersects what the activity has been of the last six months. Mm-hmm. So it's nearly 50% above and 50% below in an 
increasing trajectory over the period of the last six months. So there's no doubt that we see a little drop that happened in this last week. However, I can I can identify several drops that look like they happened, um, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven-ish little drops that maybe weren't all at once. But this little correction doesn't seem to be so far from the overall trajectory that that it freaked me out. Um, I think there's cause to just believe that we're going to see some of that, and um, and just would remind everybody there's some there's some uh, things happening right now um, that have people looking and wondering and being discerning about whether their investments are in the right places and um, is real estate sure-footed right now. That's been big talk for months now, right? Um, We had a jobs report, and I know we don't have enough time to get into it right now, but we had a jobs report that was very interesting. Um, The September jobs report with the revisions that they made um, to the August report caused a lot of kind of thought and consternation about, you know, well, are we straddling a line of change? Is there things to be watching and concerned about? Do these interest rates from the Fed create more um, more headwind? Are we at the tail end of this growth cycle? Um, and nobody really has the answers to those questions, but you get enough of those news stories, a couple tariff stories, um, we've got we've had uh, debt talk about other countries. We're finally uh, we're seeing other countries raising their interest rates, removing some of their accommodative policies. So there's there's sort of a lot that goes into the mix. So I expect that after things like that, you see corrections like this. Um, I'm not willing to to say that the sky is falling, um, but at the same time, man, the the Dow sure is high. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's at twenty five thousand. Um, it finished the day yesterday up two eighty seven, uh, twenty thousand three forty. Basically, um, wow, was that high? You just said something about the twenty sixteen election. Um, remember then? Remember? Remember watching the Dow at seventeen thousand and speculating? What could it be? What could it do? Remember remember the tug of war? How many day sessions and then intraday we would break the twenty thousand mark but couldn't close above it and we played and pushed and pulled at it. Um, and then that was that was so long ago. That was so long ago. Um, when you're sitting at 25,000, just thinking you're amazing. We got the top of the hour break. We'll be back in a few minutes here for a whole nother hour. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show.
Welcome back, everybody. That's cool, Craig. Is that the Jackson 5? No, that's the Brady, <laughs> the Brady's. Actually, the, technically, they were called the Silver Platters on this episode of uh, the Brady Bunch. The silver Platters? Yeah, because they wanted to buy their... They yeah, bought a silver a, platter for their parents' anniversary, yep. and then they got the engraving, and they didn't realize how much the engraving was. So when they found out, they joined a contest on TV, and... If they won enough, it would happen to just be enough to pay for the engraving on the silver platter. So that's what they call themselves. Okay. So there mm. you go. Mortgage Matters <laughs> Brady Trivia. <laughs> Dang, you know your Brady Bunch, don't yes, you? Yes, I do. <laughs> well, um, you too. You were nodding with approval. Like, you've seen that episode a few times. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he knew it was yeah. silver platters. Wow. I guess that just wasn't one of the reruns I went to. I was starting to laugh, too, because no doubt, um, my brain also, Craig, my brain also is fooled with, uh, just full to the brim with <laughs> worthless trivia and things that have zero value whatsoever. Um, <laughs> did you guys catch up on the story this year about the Brady Bunch house? Oh, yeah. yeah. I kept uh, a keen eye on that story. Yeah. Um, Anyways, it was for sale. Sold, Some it? drama ensued. Somebody felt like they got bought out from under him. Yeah, it was, was it Lance, Lance Bass. Bass. Yeah. He yeah. thought he had the deal wrapped up. He even tweeted like, "Man, I'm getting this house." And then, uh, what was the network? The DIY, not DIY network. The the HGTV. HGTV bought it. Oh, really? And they're going to make it part of their network, and they're going to have their network stars redo the Brady Bunch house back to original. Or not original, but back to the way it would have looked interiorly and outside on the show, even though the interiors of that house weren't actually the interiors of the, right. of the show house. Huh. No. That house isn't even two stories. Oh, really? Yeah, the, the real one, they, for the TV show, there was a fake window up on the left side to make it look like it was a two-story house, but it uh, was not. Huh. Yeah. Anyway. That's fun. What did that house end up selling for? Do you know? Oh, heck. I don't know. I'll, um, I'll check that one out. I'm, let's guess first. Let's guess. It's down in L.A., right? Uh, I feel like it's in like Glendale or something. Yeah, Glendale you know? or Sherman Whatever. Oaks. Whatever. I'm from Northern California. It's all L.A. Everything south of Ventura is yeah, L.A. That's, that's L.A. No, it's fine. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't uh, poo-pooing your... South uh, of Ventura, north of Mexico, it's all L.A. <laughs> right. I, I just... I'm, just like you call everything north, just the Bay Area. Right? I'm from... <laughs> The San Fernando Valley, dude. <laughs> what? It's L.A. Like, you, you guys remember that song, The Valley Girl? Oh, um, yeah. And the talk about the Valley Girl back in the day. The, the Valley is, like, where I'm from, that's the San Fernando Valley. That's not the Valley from here, which is, you know, obviously. See, it's funny. You go to the Sam, that uh, Valley Girl song and not the previous Valley song, the San Fernando Valley. Right. Yeah. Ah, well, it's actually in North Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Is this right? I right. think this is it. Yeah. I this the is the Brady here. Bunch house, and it sold for $3.5 million. Dang, I was going to guess. So the North Hollywood, <laughs> I, I, was, I was actually going to guess 2.4, because I'm just picturing, you know, a house that's not in modern condition um, in that era, and then it's going to have um, some inflated value just for the iconic well they uh, put it up for 1.89 yeah that's crazy that's a major uh 
I I wonder if they. I mean, did they do that on purpose to, to generate the interest to try to get the interest, try to get the bidding war going? Because that's quite the over the overbid there from a one point eight nine listing to a three point five sales price, nearly doubling the listing. Well, if you're Lance Bass, that's pocket change. I guess. I mean, did he make? That? Or if you're a Hollywood studio, sure. Now, if somebody came to you with an invest, I mean, true investment property, too, and said, "Look, guys, I want to buy the Brady Bunch house. Uh, I'm going to need three bills, three large." Here, here's the deal. This would be the, this would be the tough talk. Here is um, you're going to struggle with comps. And yeah, what how TV much show houses go for? Yeah. How much of the value of this is based on the a lot TV of it. show? I mean, this is a five bedroom, three bath, twenty four, twenty almost twenty five hundred square foot home. It's not like some huge mansion. No, and in that condition over there in North Hollywood, you know, I would expect that a house that age and condition and size is probably um, pushing into one and a half to one and three quarters. I mean, it's. It's expensive. You want to live in North Hollywood, like that Toluca Lake area. It's 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 expensive to be there. You better be something special. But so here's the deal: um, if you're buying it as your primary residence, your mortgage payment for buying a three million dollar house. I mean, basically, call it seven grand for every million mm-hmm. is about the rough for us. So. You're looking at a $20,000 a month mortgage with your taxes and your insurance. Um, what do you do that you're, you need to be making um, at least 40? Well, upwards. on those jumbos, the DTI needs to be closer to 43. So I need you to be making about $50,000 a month with no other payments. So you can't have that Tesla payment and that Ferrari payment, everything else that goes along with your life. So you make a half a million dollars plus a year, you know, six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, that's pretty wild. And chances are, when you're like living like that, um, I would expect you to have a pretty fat down payment. So now you're asking me if you need to borrow three million bucks on this thing. You've got like ten percent down. You're not. You know. You don't have a lot of strength about you. Um, chances are you'd be better off asking old Bobby Brady for a hard money loan, mm-hmm. <laughs> have him loan you the three million bucks, and you pay him back over the course of you know next couple of years as you making so much money, which I hope holds out for you. You're making seven hundred grand a year, but you need to borrow. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say if you make that kind of money, you still need to borrow money. Yeah, yeah, you're spending too much. Yeah, there's this drop off in that jumbo market where, like, and we'll even see it around slow. You get some of those houses, you know, out in the Edna area that sell for the multi million dollars, and those people just don't really show up looking for loans. And and when they do, this guy's like, "Well, you know, I'm buy this house for five million bucks, and I need to borrow two million bucks." I'm like, "What do you need two million bucks for? You live like that. You should have your own two million bucks." Yeah. <laughs> well, I got three. Well. <laughs> Then don't buy a five million dollar house. Buy a three million dollar house. It's not that different, is it? Is the marble not as antique in the three million dollar house as it is in the five million dollar? I sound insensitive. Maybe now it's just part of the needs. financial plan. You know, <laughs> money is cheap right now. Okay. In spite of rising interest rates, it's still pretty darn cheap. It's <laughs> funny, Dan. When I was driving in today, I was thinking about. Uh, 
Well, oddly enough, I was thinking about home loans. Mm. <laughs> Imagine that. I hear these commercials on TV that are like, um, take some cash out of your house. You've heard those, right? Yeah. Like a cash call commercial. Get a hundred grand. Like, what? Do you, what's your burning desire, Dan Podesta? What do you need to do? You need a hundred grand. <laughs> Pull it right out of your house. Yeah. It only, you know, and truly, let me shift into sales guy mode here. Dan. <laughs> truly, that hundred grand is only going to cost you about six hundred bucks a month. So picture that, buddy. Um, could you? And asking for a friend. Could you put $100,000 into, like, the stock or bond market and outperform that $600 payment? I don't know. I don't know if I have a lot of confidence in my ability to buy stocks. <laughs> I'm sure somebody could. If, if that's more of, like, a hypothetical to the general public question, yeah, I'm sure someone would raise their hand and say, yeah, I could do that. Mm. Me, I'm not so sure. So you're saying, though, like maybe if you pulled the hundred grand out and then let somebody else manage it, that maybe. you might be able to beat the interest rate? Sure. Um, it was a lot more likely when the interest rate was three. Yeah, right. It was easier. It was easier. <laughs> Lower bar. More predictable. Yeah. Um, I, I say that, obviously, tongue-in-cheek, but there are people that market this way, that... Um, there's a variety of reasons why you should take cash out of your house and find other investments with it. Um, and I read this book years back about um, leverage. Of course, it was pre-recession, right? So we, we know one of the things we know about the recession that we went through was it was, a, it was like an international deleveraging, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. So... As luck would have it, in like 2004 or five, I read this book about leverage, and there was this, there was this like kind of insulting part in the middle of the book where the guy's like, I mean, it's obviously a call to action, but it's like, hey, um, well, here I'll, I'll ask you the questions. The way that they ask it in the book is like, Dan, if I gave you. Um, $250,000 today, do you think that you would, um, what would you do with it? Would I give you 250 grand? What would you do with it? Man, today, uh, today I would try to find something smart to do with like half of it. And then I'd probably save the other half. Throw it in the bank. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Actually, I mean, if you came up to me today, I'd probably try to find something to do with it, with all of it. Yeah? Yeah. I'd find an investment. It wouldn't be necessary. I might, I might carve off a little bit for like something fun. You could buy like 10 houses in Indiana. Yeah, that you could do that. Really? With 250 grand, there's like places where you could buy like 10 houses that rent for like four or 500 bucks a month. So you're, that's some scratch, dude. You'd be, you, all of a sudden, that $250,000 investment could be making you four or $5,000 a month. That would be the plan, yeah. That'd be great. That's pretty cool, right? I'd like that. Um, so you didn't say that you would bury it in your basement. 
I certainly wouldn't do that. I don't really even have a basement. Interesting. Well, there's a crawl space. I have a crawl house. space. I've been in there. Yeah, I have a raised um, foundation. So yeah, I yeah, could, I could hide it under there. So you could, you could dig but a I hole. Wouldn't. You could dig a hole. Probably put it in a weatherproof box though, just because you you want to protect it from like some sort of like, you know, environmental factor that could break it down and render it worthless. Sure. Not a ton of weather under my house, but point taken. Yeah. yeah. Um. But that's what your equity is. Right? It's yeah. just foolish money buried in the crawl space of your house. Are you still being the commercial? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> totally. Um, this idea that you get somebody to think about it, right? And then and then you're like, but you you have that kind of equity, especially if you're like later in life and your house is paid off and you live in California. So it's like you could get that two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. By the way, the mortgage payment um, on two hundred fifty thousand dollar loan, I usually call it six hundred bucks for every hundred thousand you borrow. So we're looking 1500. at fifteen hundred bucks. So in my scenario, I described to you where you buy ten row houses out in Indiana that produce four to five thousand dollars a month in income. You have a you have a positive cash flow of twenty five hundred bucks a month, which is arguably more than your social security. Um. It's a crazy little thing. There's a lot of people that talk that talk, though, and market that way and talk about leverage. And so I was thinking about that on the way. And I don't really know what made it pop into my mind. But, um, you know, it's a it's kind of wild now that we have interest rates going up a little bit. If your plan was to access your money to kind of beat the market, um, it's getting tougher to do now. Uh, I know people were doing it back, those people that had the broad, real good broad perspective of the market when you could get a three and a quarter 30-year fix. There were some people that came in and took money out for, I don't know what, but when it's this low and you can borrow it for 30 years, you borrow it. Um, And I would argue that um, these economic, like this economic cycle has been really stretched out, you know? Because people are starting to talk about a change, but really we're like 10 years right now where um, we're just finally starting to see a little lift in interest rates where um, from a savings perspective, I mean, you haven't made, if you just had your money in a savings account for the last 10 years, you really missed a lot of money there. Haven't even kept up with inflation, have you? No. Are you, yeah. Savings accounts aren't paying anything. No. Well, now they are a little bit. Dude, Maybe you can get a CD for dude, like you can 2%. get like a whole percent now. Yeah, remember when you were getting like point four percent, zero. Um, yeah. So anyway, we don't we don't have the, a lot of that kind of talk in our company. Um, if somebody came in with a plan of I want to do a cash out refi for investment purposes and was kind of. I think I would even still want to just pick their brain a little bit. And you're a big boy. If, you, if this is what you're going to do and you just, some loan officer is going to do it for you, I'll do it for you. Um, but I will probably want to talk about it. Like, what's your plan? Um, and at the same time, you know, people talk about doing debt consolidation a lot on these ads too. pay off those high interest credit cards, pay off that auto loan, pay off those student loans. Um, 
I usually, too, I'm going to have a conversation with somebody is like, is this your only option? Because making what I would call short-term debt, long-term debt, taking that credit card bill and rolling it into your 30-year fixed mortgage is pretty wild. It's not a great uh, – your financial advisor really wouldn't like you doing that. Um, but if you're in a position where you're exhausting – all disposable income just to make minimum payments and or savings like if you're on the hamster wheel where your three choices are and look let's be honest with it with that scenario that you're describing where you're exhausting all disposable income to debt service what is really a minimum payment you sound like a bankruptcy candidate you really do um, you also sound, and if bankruptcy is not really an option for you and your situation is not that dire because maybe it's not that much money, you're just struggling today, um, sound like you might be a good candidate for one of those um, consumer credit counseling programs that could help you figure out how to come up with a plan of attack where you could get ahead on it. Um, both of those things can be um, avoided and or remedied by if you own a home, right? Because now you have an option that other folks don't have. You can do a cash out refi to consolidate it, um, you know, or do a second. I kind of like the second idea a little bit more for somebody that needs less money. And once they just get a break and can kind of get out in front of it, now they can instead of paying because on the credit card thing, you can see how it spirals out of control for people quick. Some max credit card rates are 25%, 28%, 30%. That's unsustainable if you're in a place where you've got multiple accounts doing that and you're just not going to get there. And so now your minimum debt service is just wiping you out and you're making no headway. To be able to do maybe a home equity line of credit for 20000 bucks, where you can get the interest rate down to five and it's an interest-only payment in the beginning so you could – Get your whole kind of just a reset on your your finances and get your whole house in order, you know. And now, okay, I was paying $2,000 a month for all these credit cards, minimum payments at 30% interest. But now I can pay, uh, you know, 50 bucks or 100 bucks a month in interest by putting it onto a HELOC. So now I can pay $1,800 a month in principal. Cash flow-wise, you're at the same situation, although but now you're digging out of the, the hole, yeah. right? Um, so those kind of things can make sense. But I feel like it takes a careful conversation to to vet out what the right thing for people to do is, you know? So anyhow, this is a breaky time. You found a you found a music song about debt consolidation, and you're excited for us to take a break and come back so you can show it off. Something like that, yeah. Okay, <laughs> that'd be awesome. You know, um, oh, go ahead. I just, I just haven't heard a debt consolidation song before. This is gonna be great. Craig oh, has a debt consolidation song yeah, that, that he's gonna play right after we uh, recognize the sponsors of the show. So stick around to see this creativity. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KBEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. 
If you're like most investors, the constant ups and downs of the stock market have you on edge. How do you make sure you keep your gains without jumping ship too soon? At Century Financial Consultants, they have an investment strategy where your money is completely protected against market losses. You go up with the stock market, your gains locked in, and when the market goes down, you don't lose anything. Literally, you go up, never down, forwards, never backwards. Sounds too good to be true? See for yourself for free. Call Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 805-324-7914. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso Robles, Morro Bay, Atascadero, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. This is just more random. It's, <laughs> gonna, it's a good bumper. I heard the runaway, you know, that runaway debt. Yeah. <laughs> Stretching. I'm trying. Yeah, I was going to say, just look as far as you want into that song. It's like poetry. It's really, it's up to the listener to interpret it how they want. Yeah. Half the time I didn't believe my teacher in English class. Like, are you sure that's really what they meant? Maybe it was... Interpretation, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's not what they were going for at all. Maybe it was more the literal is what they wanted. I had a tough time <laughs> understanding my English teacher's interpretations of those things, too. Usually because I was out in the hall. <laughs> Just got busted for talking. Wasn't a very good student when I was young. Did that surprise you? I can imagine you being the... I was a good student when I decided to, like... Be a student and focus. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, once I decided to go to college and like, you know, especially I was paying for college, it was like, well, I might as well go learn something. Being in high school, I was just 
just distracted. Um, hey, so there's a couple things I wanted to cover real quick. I mean, and we talked earlier about talking the jobs report, and we didn't talk the jobs report. So yeah, is it is it weird and out of place to go back to that? Real no, quick? it's not. We didn't get a chance to cover it. Um, with the last show, so I think it's something that that we should definitely cover. The, I mean, one of the most exciting things that we get to look forward to every month is the jobs report. It's the employment situation. Employment situation. It really gets us a good picture of that. I think it's one of the best snapshots of the health of our economy is when you see how many people are working and what what the trajectory of earnings is looking right. like. Um, yeah, that unemployment rate, obviously, that's a big headline. Um, so I want to go back to what I said earlier, and I, I really want to say it again in case I, if I did whet your appetite with the tease on it, um, the framework that I want to talk about this jobs report in is um, we got the September jobs report number. This is what we're about to talk about. Um, this is a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, and then... The revision to August jobs report is really what I think contributed to a little bit of the tailspin this week of not knowing what to make of it. You said a minute ago um, you like the jobs report in as much as it's a it's one of it's usually a pretty clear indication of the employment situation, right? Yeah, well, I think it's more than that. It's- some months it's very cut and dry, mm-hmm. and some months it's not, and. I know that through the years, as we've looked at the jobs report, we look at, well, there's always a few options. One is it can be very cut and dry, right? The numbers are just right in line with what was expected. They're within sort of the trend line of what's been happening. They're, um, and in being as much as they are predictable, um, if they're within the trend line and they do what's expected, then we're like, okay, that was more or less just that's the direction we've been moving in and it supports that every now and again, you get a jobs report that feels weird where it misses expectations high or low. And then we attempt to start explaining it away. Well, what happened? Um, and then because we're this society that is, uh, obsessed with being the first one to get it right, you know, we start drawing conclusions rapidly where one month becomes the only necessary case study of knowing what's happening in the U.S. jobs market. So, um, and the bottom line is, is that's not usually true. Things don't flip on a dime one month for the better or the worse. And so, um, you know, and, and otherwise, too, the other thing I think that people should know, I don't know if many people realize this, but the it's the Bureau of Labor and Statistics that, that tracks this. They prepare this report for us. They deliver it to the market um, quite regularly on the first Friday of every month. So we open trading on the first Friday of every month with a report summarizing the prior month's um, employment situation. And I think it's purposeful that they do it on a Friday. Um, for the good or the bad, it's a um, jobs report's one of what we could describe as a um, it's a market moving piece of data, isn't it? It's a it's a it's a market moving data set that usually has some splash one way or the other. 
Um, so I think it's better that it happens on a Friday. It doesn't give the market the whole week um, to to really work on the actual data and what happened. It only gives you the beginning of the week, knowing that the report's coming. You know, a couple of indicators tell you what's going to happen. You get a ADP jobs report always usually comes out on the Wednesday or Thursday before. Um, so you sort of have some idea of what's going to happen, but you're just ready for Friday morning. So, what did we find out on Friday morning? The exciting headline unemployment number reached a 48-year low. 3.7% unemployment. It's pretty wild. Um, that that number changed a little bit, too, by the way. Not not the unemployment rate, but the, the uh, low water mark there of unemployment. Um, I saw many headlines that called it December... 1969. Yeah. Um, That's a long time ago. So here's something interesting. You look at a 50-year chart of unemployment rates, and only three times in the last 50 years has the unemployment rate dipped below 4%. Or even gotten close to it. Yeah, it's uh, in the... Like 1965 to 1970, there was a nice five-year run of sub-4% unemployment. What year? 65 to 70? 65 to 70. And then right around uh, the year 2000, there was, looks to be maybe about a year or so, hovering right around 4%. And now, now here, this last couple months, we've been below 4%. So only three times in 50 years has unemployment been this low. That's pretty crazy. I'm a little hung up on the 65 to 70 thing. I don't know why that surprises me as much as it does. That era feels like the... Um, it was the Vietnam era. Well, it's the post-Kennedy assassination, Lyndon Johnson era, Vietnam. Um, I guess those are the things that I remember historically kind of was taught and remember about that. Obviously, I'm not young enough to know it, but I had no idea that that was such a run of such low unemployment. Yeah, very prolonged. The, even the the turn of the century, the 2000 um, sub 4% was short-lived. So Yeah, a five-year yeah. run of sub 4% is good job. Yeah, that was I'm, that was quite the the time to be employed, huh? Yeah. Making chrome bumpers and stuff, man. Yeah. Maybe that's when America was great. <laughs> so that's where we're going for a five-year run. Um, how long do you know? Um, I didn't see this this week. How long have we been at this level? I mean, I, I realize we're at a fresh low, but we're uh, we've been chunking around three nine, three seven, like. Three, yeah, I want to say it's been three nine for a couple of readings in a row. So I want to say three, four, five months at this level at sub four percent. Not a long time. Just we've we've hit it, and we'll see if it sticks around very long. When you look at previous dips, you know I see one, two, three, four, five significant dips in unemployment since that seventy nineteen seventy time frame. Um, and those dips don't last very long. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if, you know, what we've got going on here. Well, we have another prolonged dip, one of those infrequent prolonged p- 
periods of low unemployment or are we going to bounce up like what seems to be more more common? I wonder. And really, we'll only know well, looking yeah. back. I'll tell you in a few years. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so, and now to get into kind of, so that was, obviously, that's a bright part of the story, right? And every every news headline that happened um, since this jobs report came out has been celebrating an, an unemployment rate at a 50-year low. Um, obviously, a variety of factors playing into that. Um, pretty good support for what you might call a white hot economy. I mean, that's one of the factors you're looking at. Um, so let's get into the numbers a little bit in terms of what we see in the report. The The September jobs added? It's kind of down. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a disappointing number. That's that's the, um, the adjective that comes to mind as you try to figure out uh, 134,000 jobs created. Um, not great. But just going to devil's advocate here for you. Um, are we just running out of unemployed people to add to the job, you know, to, to give jobs to? Is that the problem? Are we nearing the end of this cycle of, you know, turning unemployed people into employed people? Um, I mean, that's a fine question. The, the answer to that question, though, when you get in and look around is there's job openings, I mean, we job openings right now exceed the number of unemployed people. Yeah. Um, And from what I've been reading and seeing, too, and this is even coming true here locally, seeing more jobs available in that hospitality, right? That that segment of the market where, um, you know, some of them are fast food, right? They're not they're not great jobs, but there's they're being counted as job openings. Yeah. but anyhow, I don't know the answer to that question about whether we have that. Um, are you at that point of just saturation of jobs per people? Um, I don't know. Good question. Also, though, because of technology, uh, there's a lot of people doing things now that, um, you know, like 50 years ago, I think about my grandmother, okay? She was one of like the the OG Tupperware people. Mm-hmm. That was great for her. Uh, was really reinforced where after they passed away and we cleaned out the house and the storage unit, we found the Tupperware, um, like the kind of stuff you'd expect one of those Tupperware salespeople from way back when to have. So there was some Tupperware stuff like, you know, the common Tupperware, right? And then there's like the pitcher with the vacuum lid. And then there's like the deviled egg tray. They just had all the things. It's like, look what we can do with plastic for like nothing. The salad um, spinner thing. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I digress. Uh, my grandma sold Tupperware at least in part because it was an income thing. It was also super handy, right? The introduction of plastic, making women's lives easier. Just like, look at these plastic things in your life that are just going to be amazing for you. Um, but she also had like a network of people. It was um, social. It was social, right? And she led some AA groups. So she had these like captive audiences of women and it um, was just like, here, you know, look at, I sell this. So I bring this up as like, that was a side gig, Tupperware, right? Um, what are side gigs today? Man, everybody I mm-hmm. know is selling like uh 
Lulu Roe and Mona V Juice and their um, the oils essential yeah, oils. DoTerra. <laughs> I'm renting um, out my RV. On, there you uh, go. RV yeah, share. you've got a room rental in your you house, know, right? Pulling in seven hundred bucks a month, there you basically. Go. Check you out. I mean, no, it's not, Mister IRS. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cabby, right? The clothes. Um, there's all these things, okay? And oh, and Uber. <laughs> like people are doing a lot of things to make that other money, thanks to technology. Widely, right? You're holding this computer that's tied you into like the social media network of. Um, I was going to say just it's all pure evil, but maybe not because there's some <laughs> economic value to this stuff. Um, but so I wonder about that, too. Like when we look at 1965 to 1970, what an era for this um a manufacturing era and there's so much going on in in the the US economy at that point that's like that that gritty american worker um today the american worker's like oh and i sell stretch pants when i get off work from you know being the the bartender you know whatever it's like sweet pretty crazy there's a lot happening and so i those labor markets feel so different to me so those are the things that make me wonder are we there because um man i don't want your job at subway i'll uber (laughs) um there's all these other ways to make that money so some of those jobs that just aren't very attractive are just gonna sit and those are the things that make me wonder, like you ask, are you at saturation? Surely by a numbers place, I'm going to say I don't think so. But by those options and lifestyle choices, maybe. I think the answer to the question really lies in the hourly earnings piece of this employment situation report. If you if we're truly at a point in our economy where we're out of unemployed people to hire and bring into the workforce, then we're going to have to start picking off other employed people from other companies and lure them over oh. by paying them a little, little more. In the words of the benefits. great Bill Coleman, you remember that? Uh, we had, we had no a, one else knows. Right. No, I know. It sounded good, though. Like yeah. I was name dropping. just pay them more. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. What's your key to recruiting? What's your key to recruiting? You're just you're such a uh, amazing business dynamic <laughs> businessman. Well, I just his, pay them more. I just pay them more. Oh, I was well. wondering since we're in, I mean, almost it's considered zero unemployment situation. What's it going to be like for retailers and businesses that are going to be hiring for seasonal uh, seasonal work? I mean, there's like nobody out there. Well, I, I don't think so. I think you're in the same boat uh, because you got people that are going to... That want the second job option. Yeah, to make that holiday money, um, make that money just to be able to buy the gifts, do the traveling, do the stuff. And I think there's also a lot of people too, like um, I'm going to say like a stay-at-home significant other. 50 years ago, it would have been the stay-at-home mom. Today, it could be the stay-at-home dad, um, could be the stay-at-home co-parenting roommate that um, isn't even romantically involved. You just had a kid together um, and you're co-parenting a kid together. Um, there, There's those things where um, some of those people are just going to want to, they have the time. They're not counted in that unemployment number today, 
because they're not a part of the labor market. They're not. They they're not actively. They're not seeking working employment. by choice. Yeah, they're not seeking an employment at this time. But they'll come out for the retail. But also retail is shifting too. You guys see, Sears has imminent bankruptcy right now, um, as Amazon is like eclipsing everything in the world in sales today. Um, so a lot of it is online marketing, right? So if you're looking for that seasonal employment this year, um, maybe go work with UPS to go deliver some of those yeah, boxes really. or unload those trucks seasonally. It's just shifting a little bit, but I do think that, that those, me- those needs are still there and will still go met through the season. It's just going to be in a different way. I think I see it definitely as a benefit as far as pay is is concerned, you know, and that started started about a year and a half, two years ago with uh, Target not wanting to lose employees because they did a study about how much more it costs to hire and retrain. retrain. And so they just upped their pay to try to retain over other companies. And I think that a lot of them are going to be doing that to try to keep the good talent. And who was the big employer? Was it Amazon? That just announced the fifteen dollar, or yeah. was it Walmart? Yeah, it was Amazon. Amazon. Amazon did it, but they're also getting rid of their bonuses. Right, uh, and it turns uh, out in the long term, it was a market up to. They're they're raising the hourly, but then they're dropping bonuses and other incentives, and so they're technically going to be actually making less money. That's right, oh, but really? there's no such thing as bad press. Yeah, <laughs> yep. and for a minute. Especially in the drive-by headline. Yeah, for like two days, it was really great. Like, oh my God, Amazon. In the drive-by headline, man, why can't you be more like Amazon? Yeah. And then on day three, it was like, Amazon's kind of deceptive, and that didn't play the way that it was supposed to. So maybe don't be like Amazon. Well, look at me with my short attention span. I didn't even stick around to see the day day three three headline. Hey, that's what we're banking on. I've seen Amazon the last two days. I know what they did. That's what they're hoping for. (laughs) That's what they're banking on. Yeah, <laughs> look at me with my short attention span. <laughs> I was on Facebook. <laughs> Google was filtering out that story. Uh, we do the final commercial break here of the show because some f- these folks uh, pay to sponsor the show, so they uh, you don't have to. So let's let's do the final break here, and we'll be back to wrap up the show. Stick around for more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. If you're like most investors, the constant ups and downs of the stock market have you on edge. How do you make sure you keep your gains without jumping ship too soon? At Century Financial Consultants, they have an investment strategy where your money is completely protected against market losses. You go up with the stock market, your gains locked in, and when the market goes down, you don't lose anything. Literally, you go up, never down, forwards, never backwards. Sounds too good to be true? See for yourself for free. Call Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 805-324-7914. 
For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Linux. The most critical part of buying a home is getting pre-approved for a mortgage. Pre-approved buyers are taken more seriously, enjoy a less stressful transaction, and close faster with no last-minute surprises. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018-39608. DBO number 6054783. MLS number 328358. Experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Welcome back, you guys. By the way, you guys said earlier that the economy was white hot, and so that's why. Yeah, you're pulling some obscure music. Here. <laughs> hey, well, I'm Googling that. I'm like, it's got to be some song. I know it's got to be an 80s song, but it's White Hot by Red Rider. Never heard of him. Me neither. Well, I, they, another song they did, but don't know this one. What other song did they do? Um, Red Rider. Didn't they do? No, wait. I was thinking Hot Rod Lincoln. Okay, I'll find. I know they did another song. <laughs> right. I, I'll figure it out. But go ahead with your thing. Okay. <laughs> Red Rider, huh? It's a waste on me. So, Jason, Dan, I started looking at the sample ballot that came in the mail. Oh, did you get your sample ballot yet? I got my sample ballot. So um, I started started going through it. Want to be prepared? I, I'm not looking at it. I decided this year I'm going to look only at Facebook, and I'm going to look at what Facebook says I should do. And yesterday, a girl named Erica that I know who's a nurse said, uh, um, told me what to vote on 11. Oh, okay. So I'm just, okay, I marked that down. Erica said yes on 11. The okay. wording, she did say the wording was misleading, so don't get caught up in the actual words of it but just yes on 11 okay um well i'm only going to deviate a little bit from it though a little from bit from the facebook from my facebook strategy of voting okay. this year yeah i'm just going to do what they tell me to do whoever has the best ads and can um this sounds like a strategy to win this is you know who wins. I don't know, but you. It looks like you're you're going for the win. I'm just kidding. I did I did ask Wes though if he would come on the show next week and talk about. I think what is it? It's there's there's two real estate related propositions. Prop five is related to property taxes. Yep. And Prop 10 is related to rent control. So I asked Wes if he'd come on the show next week. Cool. And he is going to come on the show and talk to us about both of those. They're obviously important. And I think we... we um 
yeah so we'll spend a little bit of time covering that okay um good tease then i'm not gonna tell you where i'm at on it i don't want to know where you are I don't know where I am. I was waiting. I to- haven't seen a Facebook ad yet to tell me what to think about Prop 5 um, or okay. 10. Okay. Yeah. The realtor lobby, though, you can almost guess what their position is. So I'm excited to hear the case made, um, but they're pretty firm in their position. Mm-hmm. Um, so be be good i think it's a it's a good conversation of course and it's relevant to our show and our listenership at least to have that perspective um do you is it just me or truly though um do you feel like the the propositions are very misleading i do yeah i think you have contradictory advertising and contradictory statements so then it's hard to know what's true and what's not um, well, and it's not a lot of it is just that it's not um, it's not so cut and dry where like, for example, a, a decent example of this is the um, the repeal, the gas tax. Mm-hmm. You're seeing the commercials right now. So this is prop six. OK. And you're seeing the commercials right now that are like um, the very serious about how the money for the bridges, roads and infrastructure is desperately needed. And so by um, your vote on Prop 6, you're either choosing to kill people on the highway. I mean, they tell you how many people are dying a day and that you're if, if you're OK with all these deaths on the highway, you go ahead. Um, it started as a it's a gas tax, right? So, for road, yeah, for road repair, for road repair. Um, so one side is just purely like I'm I'm tired of your inefficiencies and additional taxes in this whole game, and the other half is like we need this money so that you don't die on the road. Okay, uh, depending on which spin comes at you more, um, especially if you're just simply recklessly following only Facebook, right? For whatever whoever's buying the more ads that are targeted more at you um kind of wild so um i I don't think we'll get deep into these things on the show other than the ones that i believe are relevant which is going to be five and ten so we'll Mm -hmm. talk we'll talk about those and understand those now is that three minutes or 30 seconds that's uh, you guys told me he three minutes okay and then i'll do two and then the crooked finger for there you go (laughs) thank you Wait, crooked fingers thirty, right? These yeah. hand signals okay. are in vain when you wave a hand signal and then we just start talking about it. Comes off as way less seamless, <laughs> way less seamless. Um, so yeah, next week, looking forward to that. Um, oh, I'm not going to be here next week though, so you're going to be doing that. Okay, maybe I can call. Uh, it's my brother's wedding, and I had to I had to rent the the tuxedo. I'm in it. Awesome. Exercising some poor judgment there on their part, because I'm also <laughs> going to get to make a speech. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like those. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, I really wanted to talk today about um, credit and um, all the stuff pertaining to credit. Maybe we'll do that uh, the week after when I get back on the show. I want okay. to talk about credit. It's still impressive to me how little folks know about credit and the way it works and the scores and those rewards cards and all of those kind of things. We'll do just, that. just last night, 
my mom saw a commercial for one of those. I think it was Experian has a know your know your credit kind of commercial going on. She's like, you know, I see all these commercials for the pull the credit thing, but I thought that was bad for your credit. Yeah. And so then we started talking about credit loans. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, we'll do we'll do that segment then when I get back. But uh, I just want to remind all you guys if you guys have questions. Um, if you're if you have a loan today that you have questions about or you want to explore options, um, maybe you're thinking about a reverse mortgage and you're just not sure if it's the right thing to do. Uh, I, I'm really proud of our company in that we give objective advice of just trying to help you understand your options and and really be able to weigh them out. So um, if that interests you at all. I'd welcome you to give us a call. You can call one one number rings at all of our offices here in the county. Um, it's five four three loan, which is eight zero five five four three five six two six. You can also find us on the internet at centralcoastlending dot com. Um, we just really want to be be able to be a resource for you um, if you're thinking about doing one of those debt consolidation loans or buying that second home up in Tahoe or something um, let us throw our hat in the ring to be a resource for you that's uh, what we're here for and then otherwise we'll uh, we'll be back next week Dan and Wes are going to run a segment on props 5 and 10 um, so that you don't have to rely only on Facebook on how to vote there we go so we'll be back next week with another live episode thanks much for being with us today hope you guys have a great week and Red Rider did Lunatic Fringe. There you go. <laughs> <laughs>